The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not represent Holding Short Media nor any organization that the speakers have been, currently are, or will be affiliated with. Welcome to the Holding Shore podcast. I'm your host, Laura Matheson. Today we are joined by Elise McLashing. Elise McLashing is a New Brunswick native and has been involved in aviation for over 20 years. Her aviation journey began as a student at Moncton Flight College, now MFC training, in 1999, where she completed her PPL and night rating. At this time, she began dispatching, which soon transitioned to the chief dispatcher role. In 2001, she took on the role of director of recruitment and admissions at MFC training. After a few years hiatus to raise her children, she returned to work and is now Program Manager Domestic Operations. MFC Training is part of the EIC group of airlines, including Perimeter, Calm Air, PAL Airlines, and PAL Aerospace. As Program Manager, she has 200-plus students in three full-time integrated commercial pilot programs, overseeing training from orientation to graduation. Elise is also a designated Transport Canada Licensing Officer able to sign off licenses and ratings for the students and celebrate these important milestones with them. After hosting the Webster Memorial Trophy competition in 2019, Elise was asked to take on the role of National Administrator and to join the Webster team as they search each year for Canada's top general aviation pilot. She resides in Moncton, New Brunswick with her husband Dave, a Class 1 instructor and pilot examiner from MFC Training, and their three children. I could not be more excited to have her joining me today. Welcome, Elise. Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you today? I'm very well. It's a beautiful day here in Moncton, New Brunswick. I'm so glad to hear that. And with that, we'll jump right on in. How did you get your start in aviation? I think I've always had an interest in aviation. Um, I have family members that um, have always been interested in aviation, and I think it rubs off. Now, uh, in 1999, I decided to come to Moncton and do my private pilot's license, and I also did a night rating. While I was doing the training, I began as a dispatcher, and I loved the controlled chaos of of, um, spending time with students, uh, maintenance, uh, instructors, it was, it really did feel like home, and in this company, I, I fell in love with with it and and it did feel like home. So I always looked for a way to um, stay, grow and and see, you know, where can I go and what can I do next in this company? Um, And I've been here ever since. (laughs) I can think back to being a very early PPL student and seeing our dispatchers and knowing, well, be nice to them because they're the ones that decide when I get a plane. But in hindsight, I look back and they were balancing maintenance, they were balancing instructor availability, whether trying to keep it fair in terms of who, if there needed to be cancellations, was canceled. I, there's a lot that goes into dispatching that maybe as a, an initial PPL student, I wasn't aware of. I think that um, as the program manager now, and uh, it gives me an appreciation starting out, um, I even spent time in maintenance when my children were little. Um, so the heart of the operation is dispatch. They, they deal with every other department. Uh, we ask a lot of them. 
And I mean, if they're the heart of the operation, I, I guess maintenance would be the brain. I don't, I don't know how you, how you would, um, you know, what would you would call them? But the maintenance, I really believe that, you know, you should have a hug your maintenance worker day. Well, not now with COVID, but maybe a, a maintenance worker appreciation day every year because, or every week, because they are between them and, and the dispatchers, they really keep your operation running day, day to day. Um, the rest of us are, are just there to support them and to support students. My strategy is to usually show up with a carafe of coffee from Tim Hortons and a dozen donuts and go in after, uh, go into the maintenance shop after I've had a lengthy uh, few weeks with them, whether that could be leading up to a flight test or just a lot of questions. I, I think maintenance engineers don't get as much credit, especially at flight training units that they should. I always tried as, I mean, as when I was recruiting, I always tried to um, make a big fuss on our tours. We always stopped in and visited maintenance because I mean, I'm probably biased, but we have some amazing people working there and all you have to do is ask a question and you'll have their undivided attention. They, they really do take the time to make the student uh, feel welcome, and, and they really appreciate questions. Currently, you work as a student program manager at MFC Training. What does the day-to-day -day of this position include? A typical day uh, starts off with um, morning meetings to talk about what's, what's going to happen during the day, uh, and we end chatting about what will happen tomorrow. And when I say we, I mean... Um, myself and a member of each department of, of MSC training. So you have maintenance and scheduling, you have upper management, and we're all collaborating to prepare for a, a great day the next day. Um, in between these meetings, uh, my day is spent watching student progress and coordinating with instructors, problem solving quite a lot with both. Um, on a great day, I, I get to celebrate licenses and ratings with students, uh, sometimes for solos. Um, and a rough day, you know, sometimes I have to have harder conversations. So it, 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 every day is a little bit different. Um, but each day is filled with many, many, many emails. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, but at the end of the day, I think every day is a, quite a success. How does having such a diverse student body population at MFC training influence the way you approach your day and the organization itself? Yes, we do have students from all over the world. Um, and I, I'm so that, thankful for that, really. I'm very thankful for a chance to get to know all these students and, and where they, their backgrounds are so very different. We have... Um, we have just graduated a, a group from Trinidad and Tobago, um, and they're going home to work for the National Air Guard there. I've had many conversations uh, with Chinese students, Korean students, um, students from Nepal, from South America, uh, the States. Um, I've, I find it fascinating to learn about their cultures um, and their traditions, and I think talking about it makes them a little less homesick. Um, but they, they all seem to, with many different personalities, they all seem to have that same interest, right? That's the difference between a flight school and a university or a college. You all have that underlying, um, 
love of aviation or interest in aviation, and it kind of binds you together. So, you know, your classmates may be from all over the world, but you are, you all kind of feel like family because you've grown, you know, and, and been put through this wonderful experience of, of learning how to fly and, and, you know, celebrating your first solo and your, and your PPL and your night riding and so on. <laughs> now, what are some of the challenges of working as a student coordinator at MFC training? The hardest part of my job is having to convince someone that it is not working out. Um, to tell someone that, you know, they may have to choose a new dream to have uh, a new future plan in place. It, it can be a challenge, um, but I, I've done it enough to know that it is really important to just rip the Band-Aid or have an honest discussion with them. It's not going to help them if I, if I don't to let someone know that they're struggling. Um, and if it's, if it's about especially a matter of safety, that it really is the most important conversation I'll have in a day. Now, what is the most rewarding aspect of your role? I am so fortunate to see first solos. Uh, the, they're the best. <laughs> I remember my first solo. And back in the day, you did not just stand there for the bucket, of, I know every school is different, but we have a bucket of water, usually five or six or seven. Of, well, right now it's freezing cold water. And your instructor and some of your classmates are ready to, to make you very uncomfortable. Um, and and you, we usually get an awesome picture from it. Back in the day, it was more of a race. So you did not just, when you saw, when you landed and you filled up your plane, you saw your classmates coming at you, you ran. <laughs> oh, wait, I did not just say that. We don't run on the ramp. Um, but like, don't tell anybody, but my bucket of water ended up on the hangar door. So people would get very competitive at night. They would be on top of the ground school building roof, waiting for someone to come out <laughs> if they missed them earlier in the day. It was, it was getting to be quite a challenge, but uh, now, of course, we, we get to celebrate and have the, the photograph and, and we usually either hang it up on the wall or, or have it um, on the scrolling screen and um, we just get to celebrate many, many special moments like that. I don't care how many first solos that you see, each student is their only first solo and it is very special. I mean, like all good pilots, you and I both remember our first solos and I've also been fortunate to have been there for other people's first solos. And there is something almost, not equally as fun, but still incredibly fun about being the person to dunk the water on someone else instead of you just being the one that has all the water dunked on you. It's, it's so fun to be part of those moments because you, you only get one first solo and you, yep. you, you don't forget it. Yeah, yeah. First solo is the best. Um, it, it's a great experience. For, for the people throwing the water and the people getting soaked, even in what March, even in, even in March. So you just have to book off a week afterward for, for you know, a cold. <laughs> now, what has been the biggest challenge in flight training that you've seen over the course of your aviation career? What are the things that students find particularly challenging again and again? You know, and I don't think that, the flight test is this, is particularly the 
the hardest thing. I think the mo- the anticipation of the flight test or flight tests are, are the worst. Some people worry so much. I just want to take their worries and just help them compartmentalize for a little while. Just study. If if you think of a private pilot license, I try to tell a student that's nervous, this is a license to learn. You do not have to be perfect. Try to enjoy it because you get an opportunity to fly with somebody who has thousands of hours of experience. And it, it's a, just a nice opportunity to, to meet someone new and they will make you feel comfortable. You will grow up and you will, you will succeed. <laughs> I, I try to instill some calm in um, what is usually a, a stressful event. I think it's because it's the first flight test um that seems to be the worst the the others you you know you've got some under your belt so um it's not as scary later on but the first flight test can be scary now do you find yourself drawing on your own flight training experiences when providing support and guidance to the students so i completed the private pilot license and the night rating quite a few years ago um but since then I have, so to speak, been along for the ride with almost every student. Um, so I feel I continue to learn through their experiences. Um, and I always pass on the, the knowledge that I've learned to the upcoming students. Um, you never, you're never too old to, to learn new things. In 2019, you became the competition administrator for the Webster Memorial Trophy, Canada's annual top general aviation pilot competition. Could you tell me a little bit more about the competition? It, ever since 1932, when the Webster family of Shediac, New Brunswick, lost their son, John, while he was practicing for an air pageant, uh, the competition was held to honor his memory. Pilots from across Canada submit an application to win this award. Um, finalists are chosen, and then they're sent to the host school to compete for a national title. So one week of briefings, written tests, interviews, uh, flight tests, and sim rides. Judges from across Canada join them and spend a week getting to know the finalists and prepare to choose one as the top general aviation pilot for that year. How did you find yourself in the administrator role for the Webster team? A few years ago, I was asked to help host uh, the 2019 Webster competition. Um, It was a year in advance, so I had lots of uh, notice. And I started meeting um, with Brenda Reed, who was the national administrator at the time. Um, And uh, I also got to know a couple of the judges. And they had invited me to join um, the Webster competition in Peterborough that year. Uh, My company, MSC Training, was happy to send me uh, for a whole week in Peterborough, Ontario, uh, where I get to know the judges and the finalists, and I was a fly on the wall. And I took notes, and I asked questions, and I asked how to be a good host. What do you need? What is it that you are looking for? And what I saw was a group of people. It's funny. The, the judges have this wonderful connection and camaraderie where they, they spend time together and their main goal is to give the finalists an amazing week, an experience, like treat them like they're all winners because they really are. Um, and throughout that week, 
I saw the finalists kind of come together and they mimicked the relationship that I saw in the, in the older crew or in the, in the senior crew. Uh, and, and I would catch conversations where uh, the students would be saying, Oh, this is what, this is what my, my first sick passenger. And then they would tell a story and they really did bond together over this experience. But uh, cause it is, it is um, a busy week. So you have uh briefings and um, familiarization with the airport, a very lengthy written exam <laughs> and a handwritten written exam. Um, and then the rest of the week is uh, planned or scheduled events. Um, you have flight tests and simulator rides and interviews sprinkled throughout the rest of the week. Um, the students look a little bit stressed, but um, mixed in, they try to schedule some fun events in the evening so that they can kind of relax and get to know each other a little bit better and, and enjoy the host school's, you know, surrounding area, basically. Um, so it was, it was a, a lovely experience. And at the end, we had uh, the Webster Banquet where they were all celebrated and the winner was chosen. Um, and then I had to get up and and say, you know, how grateful I was to do that week and how excited I was to, you know, have the competition in Moncton. So I got up on the stage and I said, um, I may have invited everyone in the room for lobster on us. <laughs> so it, uh, it actually <laughs> would have been a very pricey event if, they had called me out on that a year later, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, coming for, for fast forward a year, you have, um, you know, not your competition here in Moncton and MFC training put on a, a great event. The competition in Moncton, I think was a success. And the main reason is because I, I had asked the questions on, you know, what would you like to see? And all I did was pass on the request. And everywhere I ask, I seem to get answers back. Um, you know, they didn't want the finalists to have to pay for anything. We, we pay for their accommodation and their travel um, through Webster. But then they had the added expense of feeding themselves while they were here. So now MFC Training is a company that is owned by... Uh, Exchange Income Corporation. Um, we have many sister companies. When I asked the question, who would like to feed the Webster finalists? We had lunch provided every day for, for them and suppers too, and many suppers too. Um, everybody was so kind and threw their names into the ring and said, we'll, we'll cover it. We will cover it. Um, we even had an evening in Shediac, where we went to the marina at Captain Dan's. If you're ever in Shediac, you'll have to go to Captain Dan's, where we sat and looked at the boats in the water, and we all, some people actually chose the lobster. Um, but it, the, the whole week was quite a success, and I think it is, uh, it was really nice that we could actually even get to Shediac, where the Webster family was actually from. The home is, is the family home is, is still in, in Shediac, and I believe that it is a bed and breakfast these days. It, it was a really great experience, and it was coupled with our 90th um, year celebration um, because MFC training has 
been training pilots since 1929. So we had a great big party that week. And the Webster competitors, I believe they had a great time. Uh, you see pictures to prove it, but we, we had um, a great reason to celebrate. And it was just coupled with a, an amazing competition. And to celebrate these individuals that have worked hard and um, earned their spot in this competition. Yeah, so the judges are amazing, amazing bunch of people who, who really just put, their, put all of their effort into creating an amazing experience for these people. And I think that's why I enjoy spending so much time with them um, and doing whatever I need to do to support them in, in creating this event each year going forward. Now, what considerations go into being the host school for the competition? The judges are always looking for a new location to visit for host schools. I think it's important to take into consideration the traveling of all the contestants and how easily it is, how easily accessible it is and what kind of aircraft they have in Moncton, the Cessnas and Diamonds are available um, in other locations quite often. There will be Cessnas. So if there is a student who flies maybe a Cherokee or Diamond, uh, we do some problem solving and we try to help them out. I know that the idea of throwing everyone into something they've never flown before has always been something that sounds interesting. We've, I've never actually done that, I don't believe. Um, but wouldn't that be an interesting competition if you get to try to fly something new? That would really throw a throw a wrench into everybody's plans. Um, briefings, uh, support, all these things a host school would need to do, think about is, um, you know, where, where are, are we going to be able to provide the space, the time, um, that these individuals need and create fun activities in the evenings for them to relax and just enjoy the area. It had not occurred to me that there could be an element of the competition that would be maybe a great equalizer in terms of giving everyone a new aircraft that they haven't flown before. But that would be in terms of just a, a year to just really try something new. That sounds like it would be a very cool idea to add that twist in as well. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting to, you know, think outside the box and and show these individuals, you know, something new, something different on on the trip. Um, the Redbird Simulator that Una Elliott usually um, tests the students on uh, that trip. She spends a lot of time planning with Redbird, and they're in cahoots for most of the year, making this one trip, this one flight test. Uh, for this individual. Uh, and as you're going through your trip, you have many scenarios can unfold during this trip. It's always new and exciting, but I believe there is a picture of a finalist from MFC training uh, a couple years ago uh, that turned in a direction that came right face up to Godzilla. <laughs> It was a pretty neat, uh, pretty neat to add on to <laughs> to a Redbird flight, uh, and there's a great a great picture of him with his surprised face. <laughs> I mean, so, frankly, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised <laughs> if I saw that um, in the simulator. Be cool. <laughs> I think as well. I know. Uh, I believe Una at one point had also had a scenario where your destination airport is on fire. And yeah. you don't know until you get there. Like it's she, she definitely puts people through their paces in terms of pilot decision making and something a little unexpected for a simulator. 
yeah, the simulator ride is always very interesting, very enjoyable. Students come out sweating, <laughs> uh, but um, so this, they're very secretive. They do not pass on any information throughout the week. If you haven't gone in the sim yet, the lips are sealed. <laughs> now, who is someone in aviation you admire and why? I've met a lot of people in aviation. Um, I spend a lot of time, you know, here in, in the Maritimes, you spend a lot of time with the core group and I, I really have the utmost respect for, for this group of people that I've been working with for so many years. I think that's what makes MFC training so strong is that we still have the same uh, core group of people that have been managing um, the operation for so long. But who do I, who do I admire most? These students, they, these students work so darn hard. And I think, I don't know if I could do it. The, especially if you think about this course, the way we do things here with the integrated training, uh, it is, it is a full-time fast paced course. And some of these students are also doing a degree from Mount A. Some of them work sometimes full-time and some of them, uh, you know, they just knock my socks off. They do it so well on time. I just think, how amazing are these people? And I can't wait to see what they're going to do in the future because they're, they're going to be amazing pilots in this industry and they're going to do amazing things. I can't wait to see. I admire them and their work ethic. Now, what are some things you enjoy outside of aviation? Actually, actually outside of aviation, I am quite the introvert. So most people around here do not know that about me. When I'm at home, I'm an introvert and I'm married with three children. So one of the perks of having three children is you're pushed outside your comfort zone quite often. So that being said, we are um, a baseball family. We spend a lot of time going traveling, uh, traveling around the province or around the Maritimes in the summer uh, doing baseball things. We've been to Cuba on a goodwill tour to deliver um, equipment to people less fortunate. Um, I have a black belt in Taekwondo because the third person was half price and I was sitting watching my kids anyway. So I thought I might as well do it. I'm on the school board. I've done a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have tried uh, if I had been home relaxing, watching television, enjoying my life, and <laughs> probably I still would have been working, let's be honest. If I hadn't have had my kids, I would have just been working seven days a week because that's what I really, that's that's what I like to do. Um, but having kids has kind of pushed pushed me to do, try new things, and, you know, it's um, they're wonderful too. So, you know, they are part of what I do <laughs> when, I, when I'm not here. But um, the three kids definitely keep me busy. And they're very patient with me because I work a little bit too much some nights. Um, but now that they're older, I, I think that seeing a parent who cares about their job is just as important as, um, you know, maybe making breakfast in the morning. Or, you know, I think it's nice they can make their own breakfast. <laughs> Now, what advice would you have for someone at the very beginning of their flight training? So um, I spend a lot of time with, with people at the beginning of their <laughs> aviation career, if you, if you think about flight training uh, as, as the beginning, and I do. 
Um, and this is my advice. If you're, if you're doing a course like we have here in, at MSC Training, um, treat it like a full-time job. You know, just commit yourself to it. Treat it like a full-time job um, and always put your best foot forward. That being said, ask for help. Um, a lot of times people try to struggle through on their own. I really believe that um, it is important to ask for help. There's so much help to be given. Um, more of a logistics, get your medicals if you even consider aviation as a career. It, it is really important to, to have that medical in hand um, a tiny percentage of the time, especially if you're a young individual who are, you know, most young people are healthy and, and don't have any complications, but 1% of the time you'll catch a heart condition that you didn't know about color blindness. You didn't, you weren't aware that you had. Um, I've, I've seen a few cases where, you know, an individual will, will have um, a glitch and, 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 have problems getting that medical. And so if you have the medical in your hand on first day, you don't have to worry about that. I completely agree with you that knowing when to ask for help is such a huge lesson that for those in aviation, like once you realize that no one's judging you, you just need maybe yep. that little bit of extra help. And people are generally so willing to help you and answer your questions. Now, would you please share with me a favorite memory or highlight from any point in your career? My favorite thing to do um, is on graduation day, I line up all the students outside of the room, um, very large room with all their families um, in alphabetical order by class. And as I take them through uh, into the, the room, I cheer them on with my licensing um, helper, Tara, and we high-five each and every student. I don't know what's going to happen if we'll ever get back to high-fiving people, but we basically high-five every individual walking by as they go into the room, like I'm cheering them on for some kind of, um, you know, football game or something. And I just love seeing the look on their faces as they walk through and, you know, ready to get their wings and their grad, their grad certificates. And so as, as they all get seated uh, and the ceremony begins um, later on, I get to call them up on stage and they get to stand next to uh, the chief flight instructor and have their picture taken. And it's pretty cool to call them up on stage and see the look on their faces um, because they've worked so hard to get there. So every year I get to do that. And I'm very excited uh, to get back to a normal where I can someday call them back up on the stage and we can all sit together in a, in a room, a crowded room again. Maybe not this year, <laughs> maybe next year. Elise McClashing, thank you so much for speaking with me today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. The Holding Short Podcast is a production of Holding Short Media. The show is written and hosted by me, Laura Matheson, and edited and produced by Cameron Bokoff. Our music is an original composition of Riley Searles. If you would like to learn more about the show, the Holding Short podcast is on Instagram and Facebook at Holding Short Media. Please subscribe, rate, and review us.